Thank you for tuning in to this week's Talking News. Our readers, Bob, Claire, and Max, will read from the local Belmont Citizen Herald, reporting on Belmont happenings and news from around town. And now on to our show. A look at Gore's place, Place's Sheep Shearing Fest by uh, Kerry Feltner. It has become synonymous with nearby Waltham. Gore Place and Fleecy Sheep, ones that are ready for a shearing. But sheep have not always been on the 50 acres of Christopher and Rebecca Gore's federal-style mansion, which was built in 1806. When sheep returned to Gore Place in 1982, it had been more than 150 years since they were on the grounds. The last time sheep were noted was when Jacob Farwell, the Gore family's uh, farm manager, wrote about them in his journal entries written from 1820 to 1824. Christopher Gore kept sheep briefly on his land, but switched to cattle as it was more economical. We think Gore raised sheep because this was a 250-acre commercial farm, and at that time period, sheep became something to raise in New England, said Tom Roach, director of programming and publicity at Gore Place. <clears throat> we, know that we, we know that he moved towards cattle because there was more money in cattle. Gore was responsible for introducing a breed of cattle from England here that actually became called the Gore Steer. Today, Lester Longwool sheep reside at the property, all of which are named. The wool of that breed is coarse, used for sturdy items like rugs and blankets. Sheep and the idea of a field day were combined in 1987, starting with the first year of a now 32-year tradition. The Sheep Shearing Festival was held on April 27th. The Sheep Shearing Festival has become a staple in Waltham, one that draws eight to 9,000 people each year. It is known that Gore himself has attended a sheep shearing festival in England. During the festival, roughly a, a dozen sheep are shorn either by blade shearing or electric shearing. Craft makers sell their wares, fiber artists display their products, and border collies give sheep herding demonstrations. Each sheep yields enough wool for roughly a sweater and a half. There are also mansion tours, historic reenactors, live music, circus smirkus performers, and wagon rides along the festival, or during the festival. The variety of Waltham and surrounding area organizations are part of the event, including sponsors such as Watertown Savings, People's United Bank, and peak events and participants such as Ben Silver of Merrimack Valley Bluegrass, the Moody Street String Band, and the Waltham Garden Club. Roach has been helping to organize the festival for the past 23 years. His favorite aspect of it, the lack of technology used during the event, replaced by a present in the moment energy. And now on to Claire. Thanks, Bob. 
Going Green in Belmont School Cafeterias by Lexi Peary. Eliminating styrofoam, separating leftover lunch and trash bashes, student volunteers who oversee the separation of trash in the lunchroom have become the norm at Chenery Middle School's cafeteria. The school has become a testing ground for green initiatives such as compostable trays, which are now used throughout the district since the beginning of the 2018-19 school year. An activity earlier this year left members of the Green Alliance hopeful about what's to come in terms of composting at the school, which is currently the focus for many members of the team. Justin Sandler of Black Earth Composting and the students of Trash Bashes educated students on composting in an assembly and in the lunchroom. Cable Eames, a parent and Green Alliance member, said education is an important aspect of the whole process. From what she's learned from other districts that have implemented green solutions in the lunchroom, Eames knows it is up to the kids to continue the initiatives. When learning a new behavior, especially one that is t tied to a tried-and-true method, it's necessary to not only understand the why, but the how. Eames wrote in an email, Children are naturally curious and love a hands-on experience. Removing Styrofoam. Parent and Green Alliance member Laurie Bufano was part of the team getting styrofoam trays out of Chenery Middle School cafeteria. This school year, middle school administrators decided to purchase compostable trays rather than styrofoam ones. Members of the Green Alliance have been working for a long time to make this a reality. The delay in getting rid of styrofoam trays wasn't because the team lacked support from the school administration, according to Bufano. The problem was the high cost of the compostable trays. However, the price of compostable trays dropped from $0.25 cents a unit to $0.08 cents a unit, and so it became a feasible option, according to Dustin O'Brien, the food service director for the district. Recyclable materials is the current future practice, but it was not always cost-effective for schools, O'Brien wrote in an email. We were able to work with a number of other school districts to vow to purchase compostable trays, and in return, vendors were able to offer a competitive price. Bufano said all of the Green Alliance efforts in making school cafeterias greener wouldn't be possible without the support of administration and staff at Chenery Middle School. Now, here's Max. Thank you, Claire. Additional funds needed for project by Joanna Cates of Ellis. A special town meeting will need to vote on whether to approve the appropriation of approximately $3.75 million of additional funds for the renovation and additions to the Department of Public Works and Belmont Police Facilities, according to the motion on the special town meeting warrant for Article 1, which will require two-thirds vote to pass. <coughs> the amount in the motion is a placeholder, according to Anne-Marie Mahoney, chairman of the DPW Police Building Committee. The exact amount to be voted on will be decided after bids are reviewed by the DPW Police Building Committee on April 30th. A yes vote by town meeting will re repurpose the balance of the amount appropriated for schematic level design approved at the November 2017 special town meeting in the amount of 
$494.24 and approved the additional borrowing of approximately $3.5 million, the exact amount to be determined April 30th. The original estimate for the two projects was no more than $8.9 million total with no debt exclusion required. The highest estimate, the current highest estimate for both the police and public works renovations projects is $10,875,000, according to Mahoney. She said the additional money is needed due to an increase in the cost estimates for certain portions of the original work due to a hot construction market. The need to temporarily relocate the police staff during construction and additional renovations to the interior of the police station. Last spring, town meeting approved $7.4 million for the project, funded through a bond offering, which the town pays back annually $440,000 per year for 30 years. The additional $590,000 came from the Kendall Fund, funds from the insurance settlement after Kendall, the Kendall School fire. Any additional money to pay for furnishings and equipment will be requested from the fiscal year 2020 but capital budget. Community Preservation Act funds for $787,575 are being requested to renovate the historic exterior facade of the police station. The original plan presented last May was to renovate the police station while the police remained in the building. Since then, the building committee determined the construction would be quicker, cheaper, and safer if the police staff vacated the building and relocated temporarily. It was decided in February the police station would relocate in trailers on the site of the water department at the end of Woodbury Street. The temporary relocation requires renting trailers to be placed on the water department site, as well as a trailer for the Belmont Police Emergency Dispatch on Concord Ave. The trailers will have hookups for utility and technology. Stored documents and gym equipment will move into the Town Hall Auditorium. Mahoney estimates the relocation will cost up to $500,000. The relocation will also allow for the renovation of interior spaces and systems in the existing buildings that were not in the original scope of work. The additional design work is estimated to cost $200,550 for the police station. Bids for the construction work for the police and public works facilities were due April 26th. Today, on April 30th, 7 p.m., in the Selectman meeting room, the DPW Police Building Committee will review the bids and determine the exact amount of extra money to be requested at a special town meeting May 6th. The historic Belmont Police Station will be getting a three-story addition, adding 50 years of life to the building. Starting from the ground up, the addition will add storage space, equal male and female locker, shower, and restroom facilities, a three-bay garage, sally port, office space, gun lockup, interview and booking space, new prison cells for male and females, a public meeting room, roll call room, new staircase, handicap accessible elevator, handicap entrance, parking, and sprinkler system. The public work facility located at 37C Street is getting a 1980 square foot addition on the back of the existing building. Mahoney said the addition will be less expensive than adding a modular to the building and will add another 10 years of life to the building before it needs to be completely reconstructed. The addition will add locker space, laundry area, multi-purpose room that could be converted to a sleeping space, will be handicap accessible, have better ventilation, office for temporary contractors, and a break room. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max.
Three things to know about the Selectman meeting. Community path route changes again. Uh, at the April 22nd Selectman meeting, the board revised the previously approved direction of the Phase 1B portion of the proposed community path route to the north side of the railroad tracks. Phase 1B will connect the community path from Brighton Street at the Cambridge Line to the Clock Street Bridge. On May 1st, town meeting will vote on whether to approve appropriating $1 million of Community Preservation Act funds on the design of Phase 1B. Belmont is hoping to secure funding through a grant from the Massachusetts DOT's Transportation Improvement Plan to build a community path, which the town has applied for. The town is responsible for funding the path's design, which the community path project is working on. On April the 25th, on, on, excuse me, on February the 25th, the selectmen voted two to one in favor of the south side route, which crosses over the railroad tracks. Contingent upon the negotiations with the Peel Coat North Building at 39 Hittinger Street and approval of the Belmont School and Belmont High School Building Committee within 60 days. The south side route would require Peel Coat to which currently houses the Crate Escape and other users to give up a portion of their loading bay less than 23 feet from the outer rail. If the owner agreed, the, se the se section of the building would be demolished to allow the path to be constructed with its recommended width and an offset from the rail of at least 15 feet. <coughs> Town administrator gets a raise. The selectmen voted unanimously in favor of ratifying Town Administrator Patrice Gavin's contract. Uh, the Patrice Gavin's contract increasing her salary to $189,278.69. Gavin's start date was, eight, uh, was January the 15th, 2018, with a base salary of $168,000 and an additional 2400 annually for car expenses. On April 22nd, the selectmen approved a 2% merit increase and a 2% cost of living increase dating back to July 1st, 2018, bringing her salary up to $177,187.20. They also approved an additional 2% merit increase, a 2% cost of living increase, and an increase for her car expenses from $2,400 to $7,500 annually, beginning July 1st, 2019, bringing her salary up to that figure of $189,278.69. Belmont Resources Director Jessica Porter presented comparisons to the selectment of town managers and town administrators in 14 surrounding communities such as Bedford, Brookline, Burlington, Concord, Lexington, Watertown, and Winchester. The total average compensation of town administrators and town managers in those communities is $206,454, according to Porter. The selectmen also reviewed Garvin's goals 
and, and objectives for 2019 to 2020, which will be used as benchmarks for her performance review next year. The goals include providing a balanced budget to town meeting, establishing a positive working environment with employees to ensure the best delivery of services to Belmont residents, and keeping the selectmen and citizens informed of governmental activities and striving to improve the overall effectiveness and efficiency of town government. Promoting economic development, being an active participant in the Belmont community, and pursuing professional development opportunities. And the third and final uh, item was the Paramount Television feeding crew at uh, Plymouth Church. Filming of the Apple television series Defending Jacob, starring Chris Evans, is set to begin. It was set to begin on Ivory Road on April the 26th and continue April 29th through May 3rd. However, due to the inclement weather, the cast and crew may need to stay in Belmont a little longer, according to Town Administrator Patrice Garvin. At the April 22nd Selectman meeting, Garvin said Paramount Television producer of the series had secured the indoor spaces at Plymouth Congregational Church at 582 Pleasant Street, Belmont, for crews to eat during breaks. A catering truck and van will take between six to seven spaces on Pleasant Street in front of the church for a 12-hour duration on the filming days as early as 5 a.m. to no, no later than 10 p.m. And now on to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Belmont to elect delegates to a Democratic State Convention. Registered Democrats of Belmont will hold a caucus to elect delegates in alternates alternates to the 2019 Mass Democratic State Convention from 1 to 4 p.m. May 11th at the Town Hall Auditorium, 455 Concord Ave, Belmont. This year's state convention will be held September 14 at the Mass Mutual Center, 1277 Main Street, Springfield, where Democrats from across the state will come together to discuss party business and celebrate successes as they prepare for upcoming elections. The caucus is open to all registered and pre-registered Democrats in Belmont. Pre-registered Democrats who will be 16 by May 11th will be allowed to participate and run as a delegate or alter alternate. Belmont can elect 17 delegates, eight women and eight men, one with no gender requirement and four alternates to the convention. Youth, minorities, people with disabilities, and LGBTQ individuals who are not elected as a delegate or alternative may apply to be an add-on delegate at the caucus at massdems.org. Those interested in getting involved with the Belmont Democratic Town Co Committee should contact BDTC Chair Linda Levin Schurz at 617-834-4682. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Residents Weigh In on Cuts by Diane McLaughlin. 
Since learning that the construction costs for the new Belmont High School would exceed the $236 million budget by $30 million, the Belmont High School Building Committee has started to consider ways to reduce the cost of the project. For some residents, the prospect of cost reductions raised fears that the committee would eliminate solar arrays on the roof and abandon plans to build a high school that achieves net zero efficiency. A standing room only crowd attended the building committee's meeting at the Homer Municipal Building Art Gallery on April 22nd. Many in attendance had held signs supporting a net zero high school, including children who will be students when the new school opens for grades 7 through 12. But no decisions were made Monday about the solar panels or net zero efficiency. The project's design team from Perkins and Will and the construction team from Skanska identified more than 250 changes that could be made to the original design, resulting in cost reductions. During Monday's meeting, the committee reviewed more than two-thirds of the list but made no final decisions about which changes to make. After four and a half hours, the committee decided to review the remaining items, including most of the ones that would contribute to net zero efficiency, during its next meeting on Wednesday 24th, that was at 7.30 a.m. The committee started deliberating the final decisions during its meeting on Friday, April 26th, also at 7.30 a.m. On April 12th, Belmont High School junior Madeline Kitch attended her first Belmont High School Building Committee meeting and made a statement in support of net zero efficiency. Before Monday's meeting, Kitch told the Belmont Citizen Herald that she thought it would be impactful to have current high school students attend the meeting. Precinct 5 town meeting member Klaus Becker said that while green energy was once considered a virtuous choice, today it is considered the cheapest source. He would like to see the town commit to net zero efficiency. This is something we should be able to stand together on, Becker said. Unfortunately, it's not always simple. Tess Caputo, a fifth grader at the Chenery School, attended the meeting with her mother and sister. She said she would like the new school to have eco-friendly energy. I feel that solar panels are one of the cleanest ways to get energy for a high school, Tess said. During his opening remarks, BHS Building Com Committee Chairman Bill Lavallo requested a sticker and put it on his jacket. Other committee members wore stickers as well. Lavallo told those gathered that the committee needed to reduce costs in order to have $80 million of the $295 million total budget reimbursed by the Massachusetts School Building Authority. Since originally announcing that the costs exceeded the budget by $30 million, Lavallo said $5 million of savings had already been identified. The project's design team from Perkins & Will went through the list of about 260 items with the building committee. Rather than deciding on what changes to make, the committee identified whether an item on the list was considered highly likely to change, earning a score of 1, or unlikely to change, meaning the committee wanted to keep the item as it was originally designed, including the cost. These items received a score of three. Some items were designated as two because the committee needed more information before deciding about changes. Not long after the committee started going through the list, committee member Robert McLaughlin suggested jumping ahead to item number 215, the solar panels, before audience members needed to leave. Lavallo said solar panels were only one aspect of net zero efficiency and after a brief discussion, the committee did not assign a score, returning instead to the beginning of the list. Some items that the committee would like to keep as originally proposed included 
the synthetic turf for the rugby field, the drainage system on the roof, and canopies over the high school entrances. Back to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Vicki Lees to participate in fundraiser. Vicki Lees at 105 Trapello Road, Belmont, will participate in the 20th annual Boston Bakes, May 6th to the 12th. Participating establishments have the option to designate all sales of one particular dessert or 50% of proceeds from their entire dessert menu to support breast cancer care and research. Proceeds raised will benefit the nonprofit breast cancer organization Bakes for Breast Cancer, which will support the research of Dr. Ra- uh, Dr. Rachel Friedman at the Dana-Farber Center Institute. Friedman's clinical trials will focus on treatment for older breast cancer patients, an area of research that has been vastly undersubsidized. While be- what began with 42 pastry chefs committed to donating their culinary creations to raise money for breast cancer research has grown to over 200 of Boston's favorite dining spots and shops participating in our annual event, said Carol Schneider, founder and president of the Boston Bakes for Breast Cancer. During one week, anyone can help raise much-needed funds simply by ordering dessert or purchasing a suite at one of our participating locations throughout Massachusetts. It's that easy. Since its inception 20 years ago, the event has raised more than $1.5 million. And now on to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Ombudsman recognizes a resident. As part of National Volunteer Month, the Ombudsman Program recognizes Belmont resident Marion Carmonetz, who has been an advocate for elders as an ombudsman for nine years. After 36 years of teaching and 22 years of attending to her mother's needs, Carmenettes still wanted to give back. In 2010, she saw the opportunity to volunteer for the Ombudsman program and reached out to learn more. Ombudsmen play a role in ensuring that residents of nursing homes and rest homes receive a high level of care. Carmenettes works as part of Springwell's Ombudsman program, which provides a volunteer at each of the facilities located in the towns of Belmont, Brookline, Needham, Newton, Waltham, Watertown, Wellesley, and Weston. Springwell's Ombudsman visit the residents of 23 homes regularly, listen to their experiences, identify problems or complaints, and with a resident's permission, work closely with facility staff to address or alleviate them. Feedback from the ombudsman is a key part of the ongoing facility monitoring by the state. It is an important job that was one of the things that attached commonette, attracted commonettes. She wanted to have an impact. Kindness goes a long way, said commonettes. As an ombudsman, Carmenettes keeps her focus on the comfort and rights of the residents and keeps her communication and relationships with the staff open and honest. Currently, the ombudsman program is actively seeking new volunteers to visit with residents who would like to talk with someone. There will be a training in May that will include 18 hours of classroom instruction, followed by a personal introduction to the staff of the long-term care facility where a volunteer will be working. For information, contact Lisa Palais 
at 617-972-5644. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. CLC Cafe to host photography exhibit. The CLC Cafe at Cushing Square, 442 Common Street, Belmont, will host Joseph Flack Weiler's photographic exhibit, Paris in Black and White. Weiler writes, My first pilgrimage to Paris, the city of lights, artists, and writers, was in 1964. I was smitten and fell in love with my dreams of Paris. This will be a small exhibit with one photograph at a time. Every two weeks, a new photograph will be exhibited. The exhibit will run through April 15, 2020. The photographs depict a combination of historical views and personal images depicting Weiler's love for Paris. Weiler is a professional photographer who has been exhibiting his work for over 50 years. He studied photography at Rochester Institute of Technology and Syracuse University. All the photographs are made with 35mm Nikon cameras. Weiler does all of his own film developing and prints with a 1970s enlarger. Weiler's photo essay, Faces of Afghanistan, was exhibited at the Berkshire Museum in 1980. Back to you, Bob. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Talking News. Stay tuned for next week's program. You can watch, you can watch Talking News on Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Wednesdays at 12.30 on Channel 9 Fios, Channel 29, excuse me, Fios. You can also view Talking News anytime on the Belmont Media Center Podcast Network. Thank you very much.